0: Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones with Something Good Radio, wishing you a Merry Christmas. I'll be sharing today's Something Good Radio message in just a few moments. But before I do, I'd like to thank you for all you're doing to help share the gospel of Jesus Christ through this radio and internet broadcast. December is always a critical time for ministries like ours. The good news is, December is also a time when many people begin looking for answers that only God can give. And when they do they listen more frequently to radio programs like Something Good. For that reason, and because we are 100% listener supported, I'm asking you to prayerfully consider sending a generous year-end gift by December 31st. And when you do, I am happy to send you a copy of my brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, An Intimate Journey Through the Lord's Prayer. Brian will have details at the end of today's message Or you can make your gift right now at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. From all of us here at Something Good Radio, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And may God bless you during the coming year. From all of us here at Something Good Radio, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And may God bless you during the coming year.
1: Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Hi, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, you don't have to fight the crowds or the traffic to get the gifts God has for you. He'll deliver them right to your front door. Coming your way next, Ron shares a few words about one of God's greatest gifts, the peace that surpasses all human understanding. Stay with us now as he continues his teaching series, The Gifts of Christmas, or stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Peace on Earth.
0: James Allen Francis wrote a very popular and well-known essay many years ago uh, highlighting the uniqueness of the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, He talked about that one solitary life and how one solitary life can impact the world in such an incredible, incredible way. I won't take the time to read the entire essay. You can look it up on the internet and find your own copy and read it. But the last paragraph of Francis's brief essay, I do want to read. It says this, 20 centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus Christ is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life, and that is true. If you honestly examine the life of Jesus Christ, uh, the birth of a child that we celebrate at this Christmas time, uh, you you have to admit, uh, nobody has impacted this world like Jesus Christ. I've read that essay in, in its fullness many, many times and read that last paragraph many, many times, but this year the phrase, the leader of mankind's progress, jumped out at me. Uh, We hear a lot today about so-called progressives in our society. The progressives are doing this. The progressives are leading us this way. By the way, that was a term the Nazis used to describe themselves back in World War II. But today's uh, so-called progressives want us to believe that mankind is truly making progress in solving the basic problems of humanity, problems like disease, poverty, racism, crime, and war but they hardly ever give any credit to the babe in Bethlehem. Uh, They warn about regressive public policies that hinder our progress, but I I wonder sometimes if we're really making all that much progress. An honest person would have to admit we're we're really trying to solve the same basic problems of humanity that people in every generation have been working on for 2,000 years. We just keep coming at it from a different angle and from a different generation. Uh, for example, the, the, the war on poverty. Uh, some people in our great society are still trapped in economic slavery, uh, d- despite the efforts on the war on poverty. Racism rears its ugly head in every generation, and we've seen some of that even in uh, recent events here in America. And yes, uh, relentless crime uh, plus the war on terror disturb our peace and threaten our safety every day. Not much has changed in 2,000 years. If we're making any progress at all, addressing the the major problems and the basic problems that that plague us as human beings, if we're making any progress at all, it kind of feels like three steps forwards and about two and three-quarter steps backwards. And yet some people call that progress. I believe what progressives fail to understand is that the heart of the human problem is the human heart. Let me say that again. The heart of the human problem is the human heart. And no government program can change that. It can't. Which brings us back to Jesus, back to the Christmas story, back to this child who was born of Mary in Bethlehem and the celebration of his birth. I'm not the first to draw attention to how Jesus' birth truly changed the world in which we live. Some have written essays about it like James Allen Francis did called One Solitary Life. Others have written entire books about uh, the way this one solitary life, this this central figure of the human race, as Francis calls him, has literally altered the way we live life on this earth. Even the Huffington Post, (laughs) even the Huffington Post ran an article back in 2012 titled Six Surprising Ways Jesus Christ Changed the World. And all of the essays, all of the articles, all of the books that have been written about it uh, seem to fall into categories like how he impacted education, healthcare, children, women's rights, even the way we view government. Uh, for example, think of the impact Jesus had on education, just right here in America. Almost every one of the first 123 colleges and universities in America were started by Christians and for Christian purposes. Harvard, Yale, and Princeton are among them, and believe it or not, Harvard's first motto. Are you ready for this? Truth for Christ and the church. It's because Harvard was established to train ministers of the gospel. And yet how far they have drifted away and other schools like that have drifted away from their original purpose. I could go on to talk about how women's rights have always increased in places where the gospel of Jesus Christ has penetrated. Uh, Starting just with the uh, uh, Matthew's gospel, Matthew introduces Jesus Christ to this world, this one who was born in Bethlehem, in kind of a strange way, a way that most uh, publishing editors would say, no, that's not going to sell much. He starts with a genealogy. You know, so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so, starting with Abraham and and three uh, groupings of 14 generations from Abraham all the way to Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus. What's surprising in Matthew's gospel is that he includes four women Women in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and they're women of ill repute. You can study their reputations. They're not good. But it was unheard of in the first century, completely unheard of, to have women represented in a genealogy. But the presence of Jesus Christ elevates women everywhere, everywhere Christianity penetrates. We could talk about how children, too, in the ancient world were mistreated, often left to die if they were the wrong gender. Imagine which gender was that so many years ago. But inspired by how Jesus treated little children, Christianity spawned orphanages all over the world to care for the least protected in society. We could talk about the idea of uh, democratic self-governance and how that has Judeo-Christian roots in it. On and on and on, we could talk about the impact of Jesus Christ in this world, this one solitary life whose birthday we celebrate every year at Christmas time. Now why am I up here kinda scraping the Milky Way with, with grand and glorious and global thoughts about the world impact of one child that was born in Bethlehem. Well, what spawned my thinking on this was something the angels said to the shepherds 2,000 years ago. We read the verse just a moment ago, but let me, let me focus in on verse 14 again. The Bible says the angels came together and said, glory to God in the highest and on earth... Peace among those with whom he is pleased. This Christmas sentiment of peace on earth, which is a grand and global and glorious idea, comes from this this verse right here. The idea that this babe in Bethlehem could so impact the world that we would have peace on earth. I mean, how, how incredible is that? And I included it in one of the gifts of Christmas, along with love and joy and hope that we'll talk about on Christmas Eve. We're calling these the gifts of Christmas, the gift of Christmas love. We said in week one that Christmas is God's love wrapped in human flesh. In week two, there's an easier fill in the blank this time, Christmas is God's joy wrapped in human flesh. And you can see kind of a trend here, okay, for those of you who are a little bit slower. All right, this week, say it with me, Christmas is God's peace wrapped in human flesh. You're going to do real well on Christmas Eve. (laughs) It's God's peace wrapped in human flesh. But how are we to understand this idea of peace on earth? Because anybody who's made just even a casual observation, over the last 2,000 years, not to mention the last two weeks, would say there hadn't been a whole lot of peace on earth. So is this notion of peace on earth uh, nothing more than wishful thinking? Is it nothing more than a a warm Christmas sentiment that we put on our Hallmark cards? I mean, where is the peace on earth that was promised or proclaimed 2,000 years ago? Come on. Let's ask an honest question this morning. Are we just kidding ourselves when we sing about peace on earth when for the last 2,000 years there have been wars and rumors of wars and terrorism and crime in neighborhoods? Got your attention now, don't I? Think, oh, pastor's going to ruin Christmas for us. No, I just want us to think, I just want us to think about all this in a very intelligent kind of way. And we need to think about this peace on earth in at least three different categories.
1: Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Peace on Earth. New to the Something Good Radio program? If so, we'd like you to know that we archive all of Ron's messages at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club a special group of people who partner with Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the media ministry of something good. Join the 828 Club from our website or call us at 757-276-1099. Again, 757-276-1099. Do you have the peace that surpasses all understanding today? To hear more about God's gift of peace, one of the four gifts of Christmas that God longs to give you, let's join Ron for the rest of today's message, Peace on Earth.
0: The first is what I would call geopolitical peace on earth. This is the idea that peace on earth, as the angels proclaimed 2,000 years ago, was all about the absence of wars and rumors of wars and terrorism and crime in the neighborhood—that that's what this peace on earth is all about. And certainly, for uh, uh, two thousand years, humanity has has cried out for this kind of peace on earth. I mean, for goodness' sakes, every Miss America puts as her uh, goal in life world peace, doesn't she? Or is it world peas? I mean, you know, the, the cynicism of that bumper sticker. We even have a a peace prize today given to the world leader who does the best work in bringing about world peace. It's called the Nobel Peace Prize, named after a a, a Swedish industrialist named Alfred Nobel. He was an industrialist and he was an inventor, and he lent his name to a peace prize, many believe because many of his inventions were being used in modern-day warfare, and he wanted his legacy to be more about peace than about war. And so we have the Nobel Peace Prize. Somebody once said there are three categories of people on this earth, and in any church, in any organization. There are peacekeepers, there are peacemakers, and there are troublemakers. (laughs) You don't want to be in the third category. Not this Christmas. Put the troublemaker thing aside, right? But if you're the peacekeeper type, you you love peacekeeping things, you can join the UN. There are peacekeeping forces all over our planet. Maybe you're the peacekeeper in the family and you'll, you'll do everything you can this Christmas to keep the peace. Jesus said only one of these three are, are blessed. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God because a peacemaker is, is a proactive person. Peacekeepers kind of pass it, kind of lays back and just, yeah, I'm gonna keep the peace here. Not gonna get involved in the conflicts. But a peacemaker moves into uh, situations of conflict and proactively makes peace. And this is what God did at Christmas time when He sent His Son to Bethlehem. I'm getting ahead of the story a little bit, but he, he came to make peace with us. But there are a lot of people, the Jews included in the first century, who believed that Messiah would come as a geopolitical peacemaker. And the result would be the absence of all wars and rumors of wars and this utopian planet that we would all experience together. And those who still believe that, who believe this this promise and proclamation of world peace was for 2,000 years ago, look over the last 2,000 years with with cynicism and, and with some rage. And we hear it in some of the song lyrics today, don't we? For example, the Irish band U2, led by a guy named Bono, I always wonder what his last name was, you know? All these famous people that have one name, uh, but Bono's a good guy. Uh, Back in um, 1998, August 15th, they wrote this song called Peace on Earth Following a Bombing in Northern Ireland, and it took on new meaning after the terrorist attacks on September 11th here in the United States. It, It should take on meaning for us today, even after attacks in Paris and San Bernardino, The lyrics go like this Heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around. Sick of sorrow, sick of pain, sick of hearing again and again there's going to be peace on earth. Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. To tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living in the ground? Peace on earth. Jesus, this song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat. Peace on earth. Hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So, what's it worth, this peace on earth? And that's the way a lot of people feel at Christmas time. Come on, angels, peace on earth. You got to be kidding me. Hope and history don't rhyme. But are we misunderstanding this to some extent? Uh, One way of understanding peace on earth is in a geopolitical way. Here's another category where we need to think intelligently and theologically. And I call this eschatological peace on earth. I'm throwing some big words at you, aren't I? Uh, Testing your uh, word power. Uh, Eschatology is a theological term that speaks of Uh, The future in Bible prophecy. Are we talking about peace on earth and is there some aspect of this that is still yet future in Bible prophecy? I believe there is. And we need to go from Luke chapter 2 back into the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. This is a beloved Christmas text. You'll recognize the beginning of it, but I want you to hear the rest of it too. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. That's Christmas, isn't it? It goes on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There it is. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is a great, great Old Testament prophecy. And the hopes and messianic dreams and expectations of every Jewish person from this time forward even to the time of Christ and even up until now is wrapped up in the promise of this eschatological Bible prophecy. What I believe the Jews missed and what many scholars believe they missed in the first century is the first and second advent of Jesus that is contained in these two verses. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. That's his first advent. That's Christmas 2,000 years ago. The rest of it, though, speaks of his second advent. You see, the Jews rejected Christ as their Messiah, uh, among other reasons, because he wasn't the geopolitical leader who came and overthrew uh, the oppressiveness of Rome and, and, and created this utopian peace on earth where there's the absence of wars and rumors of wars and terrorism and all of that. He didn't do that. But what they missed was the idea that before he came as a conquering king, which is still in the future of Bible prophecy, he would come as a suffering savior. He would come as a babe in Bethlehem in the cradle and eventually go to the cross. So in between, for to us a child is born, to us a son of given. Put a pause right there. And we're in the midst of that pause right now. But there's coming a day when he will come again as that promised geopolitical leader who will establish peace on earth. Uh, The word peace here appears twice. He's called the Prince of Peace. And it says of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. Yes, this talks about the absence of wars and rumors of wars and terrorism that threatens our peace and disturbs our safety every day.
1: He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Worship Him today in spirit and in truth. Today's message, Peace on Earth, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, take a look at a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Look for Something Good courses at the top of the homepage.
0: Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details.
1: When you partner with us here at Something Good, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, look for the Partners tab at the top of the homepage at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. And if you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to the ministry, Ron would love to send you his brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, An Intimate Journey Through the Lord's Prayer. Pre order your copy of Ron's new book for a donation of $25 or more. That's the Jesus way to pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer.
0: Well, Paul says, don't, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, he says, listen to this carefully by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, here comes the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the kind of personal peace, friends, that in the midst of wars and rumors of wars and terrorism and threats of safety and all of that, globally and even down to your own neighborhood, in the midst of all that, in the midst of all the stress of Christ. You can experience the peace of God, that tranquility of spirit. I believe it's something that God supernaturally produces in our life because the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the spirit
1: is peace. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Peace on Earth. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless